0: Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. Um, This morning, um, I want to pray for my wife. Um, This week, she is going to be um, doing some mild chemotherapy. And want to just cover her in prayer and cover her that God would continue His healing work. This will um, be another um, round of so six time dealing with this, and God has always beat it. And so uh, want to pray for her, um, elders. Y'all can come forward, won't you? Uh, stretch your hands towards her on today. Father God, we know you to be the bringer of shalom. Your word says, surely you bore our griefs and our infirmities and carried away, carried away our diseases. Lord, in Jesus' name, as you have before, do it again. God, I pray my wife won't be overwhelmed. I pray why me won't overshadow her, Lord God. God, I pray that you would be her strength. I know she's been through so much and i pray for her today god that she would be encouraged that she would sense your presence but most of all that she'd be healed transformed set free and delivered from every cell that is attacking her that's rearing its head god you are the ultimate healer we won't be like asa and trust in the doctors centrally we'll use them but we won't trust in them but we trust in the name of the lord today lord god And God, we trust your healing work from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet. Strengthen her and give her strength and help her to be an agent of comfort as you comfort her through what she's going through. God, I, I pray against attacks in her mind, attacks in her heart, attacks in her value, and attacks in her season. Cover her in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen, amen. Y'all glad to be here today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, God is great. Um, so excited, thankful for the men getting together yesterday, fellas. Y'all had a good time. Oh, that was weak. The first service was better. Y'all, there's less of them. Y'all did. Y'all had a good time yesterday. Amen. 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 Well, praise God for that, and praise God for all of His work that He is doing in and through our ministry. Ladies, go ahead and sign up for that trip uh, to go. Uh, Uh, and see uh, the movie together with the ladies. A great time of fun and fellowship and connection. When you connect outside the gathering, you get to make connections that you wouldn't normally make. And so let's try when we have different gatherings. to, If you can, come on out and let's connect together and build one another up in love and repaint the narrative. Amen? Amen. Well, we're still in our series, The Rebrand. Uh, Today, I want you to turn to Ezekiel 34. We're going to read, we're going to do a lot of the chapter. We're only going to read only six verses today. Um, Ezekiel 34, we're going to just read verses one through six today. On three, one, two, three, go. Amen. I will read this part in verse 23. I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will lead them himself and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Today in this rebrand series, I'd like to talk about rebranding church leadership rebranding church leadership. Let's go before the Lord. Lord God Almighty, we are thankful that you are uh, the appointer and uh, distributor of leadership. You are the greatest reality of what leadership is. And so God, help us, help your church today to begin to uh, dig into what it means to be a good covenant community who represent you, but help the leaders to lead that effort. And so, Lord God, as we dive into the scriptures, let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated in his presence. Rebranding church leadership. Um, I know about a month ago or so, we saw where a church in Brooklyn uh, was robbed um really it wasn't the church it was the pastor and his wife um they were robbed of between a half a million to a million dollars in jewelry i know you saw it because y'all were on looking at your phones before church and you looked at it all last week so i know y'all saw it on tiktok instagram facebook snapchat youtube it's everywhere and um it's a couple of things that just come to my mind just some simple things number one I'm hoping everybody's all right. You know, that's number one. We want safety in the church. We don't want anyone hurt. You know, churches are up there security. We should do whatever we can to protect parishioners and, and that type of thing. Is, and we, we want to do that. I, I, but, but I am confused. Um, um, y'all help me out. Maybe it's a new era. But I'm trying to wrap my mind around a pastor... And his wife having in their possession, plus at church, a half a million to a million dollars in jewelry. Now, on the one hand, he could have got that from some entrepreneurial venture pre-pastoring or parallel to pastoring that allows and force for him the opportunity to buy those items. Mm. My 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 issue though is is even if you can do it, do you have to do it? Um, we 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 live in we live in an interesting world. We got another pastor. Uh, he uh, basically is demanding his church buy him a watch, and he's fussing at them and even scolding them about not purchasing. Um, a, a, a watch for a Mavado watch, and going, Y'all should have got it for me. Y'all didn't get it for me last year. Y'all should. And I just couldn't believe And People were saying amen. And I can't even wrap my head around the cognitive dissonance that's in some of these churches. But then those are extreme examples. You got churches that act like it's a family business. You got church where the pastor's family is run the church and Nobody else gets in leadership and nobody knows where anything is going. I mean, we, we, we have an interesting framing for our cultural um, realities when it comes to the church. It's interesting to me, though, that these things go viral and they go pretty viral. With, and what it ends up doing is it brands to people that this is what church is like. And you can tell because usually in those posts, I usually will go to the comments just to see if there is any sanity there. Like, if someone is going to go there and say, most pastors aren't like this, right? But what most people end up saying is, man, see, that's why I don't go to church now, because all them pastors like that. And I'm like, where, right? But in people's mind, when they see one fool, they think we all that. And so with the reality of it, how easy it is, first off, uh, to brand it off, we have to work on, and it's partially our fault as leaders, um, where we have to work heartily at Church and congregation to help rebrand it. Why is rebranding church leadership so important? Because if people can't trust someone or something in some place, they won't engage in it. So if they don't trust the church, they don't trust church leadership, uh, uh, what they'll end up doing is it'll be difficult to share the gospel. If we have a program, it'll be difficult for people to send their children out or, 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 or families to come out to different things. And so you can't do anything in this world without trust. And that is the foundation, foundational reality that for, particularly for the church, we should be the most trusted organism in the world. We should be, we should, people should have expectations of it and us not be perfect, but people should have expectations of leadership and of the church that are healthy expectations and they get and receive those expectations based on their experiences. So we can't get mad at people about having expectations. We, we have to begin to say, what are we going to do as the church to begin to make different moves towards our, 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 our being who we're supposed to be in order to not be anything that will affect people's view of the church? I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, Paul says, I live in such a way that no one will find fault with my ministry. It's a beautiful word there. Why does he say that? He's not saying that people won't falsely perceive him. No, he's saying when it's up to me and my doing, if they say something crazy about me, I hope it's because it's a misinterpretation or them demonizing. But but let it never be that it was me that invested in their view of having a view and an obstacle that causes them not to be able to see the ministry. Well, So someone would say, well, pastor, why are we looking to leaders? We should just look to Jesus. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches look to Jesus, and these leaders are to be an example of Jesus. So we're not saying you worship and your spiritual life and your justification and your sanctification is banked on how well a leader does and doesn't do. But 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 we should have expectations of our leaders. Why? Because in First Timothy 3 it gives us characteristics. People call it qualifications. But most of what's in 1 Timothy chapter 3 are character issues, not performance issues. In other words, it's character. God, God first focuses on character before he ever focuses on competency. God could care less about your competency if you don't have no dog on character. And so it's important that our character would would inform our competency and give grace to our competency, give us opportunity for our competency to be able to be heard, because if someone is acting a plum fool, give, and sometimes we have been guilty of letting competent people get away with having deep-rooted character issues. And so we have to be careful of doing that, right? And so I love the way Alexander Strout says it. Y'all still tracking with me? I like the way Alexander Strout says it in his book, uh, Biblical Eldership. He quotes 1 Peter four sixteen, and he says, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed. He says, but in that name, let him glorify. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, What will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Strauss then says, Peter's point is that if purifying judgment is to begin, listen, with the house of God, then as the prophet Ezekiel illustrates, it must start with the leadership in the kingdom. Furthermore, when churches experience persecution and suffering, it falls primarily on church leaders to provide help comfort strength and guidance so the spiritual well-being of the house of god depends significantly listen on leaders they must do their shepherding duty and do it proper with with the proper christian spirit which brings me to my first point if we're going to rebrand church leadership number one rebranding church leadership means leaders are seen as conduits of god's divine leadership Rebranding church leadership means leaders are seen as conduits of God's divine leadership. Look at what it says here. It says the word of the Lord came to me. I like that. You know why I like that? Because the, he didn't initiate God's word coming to him. You know it should be mean? Somebody said, I will be prophesying on Friday and Tuesday and on Saturday. And you better, how you know? The prophets ain't never know when they's gonna prophesy. One prophet sleep, one prophet, uh, you know, Peter was on a rooftop uh, chilling and he saw a vision out of nowhere. John was in his, in a cave in jail. So you know when, the, he said the word of the Lord came to me, right, and, 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 so that's number one. I don't, I don't want nobody telling me when they're gonna be hearing from God. Because God is a spontaneous speaker prophetically. So 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 you can't you ain't like God you gonna be prophesying at this point in time for me so that you know anyway help me Jesus he says son of man prophesy against the shepherds Lord Jesus now he didn't say prophesy too that's scary to me prophesy against and I'm gonna tell you one thing if God is your problem only God is your solution help me today Jesus Christ in heaven listen you can't rebuke God family if he coming after you only he can stop himself from coming after you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> period so 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 th- th- there's no escape there's no higher authority there's no god police there's no god fire department there's no god ambulance it's just god <laughs> so he says prophesy against the shepherds of Israel prophesy And say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? (laughs) Now before we get into this, let's define shepherds. Because this is very, very important. We'll define shepherding later. But, but we have to understand who shepherds are. You have to understand that Ezekiel is written in, of course, Tanakh, or the Old Testament. And because of that, the leadership structure of Israel consisted of really four groups. But here, in this passage, God is focusing on three groups. There are four groups of shepherds in the Old Testament. they are prophets, they are priests, and their are kings. There were also elders, but here he's talking about the upper leadership because they were supposed to give direction to Israel at the end of exile all the time, but particularly at the end of their exile in Persia at this point, because they went from Babylon to Persia and now they, they've been given the ability to go back to Jerusalem. So now they, 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 they'll they be in a post-exilic times where they would have to rebuild and because they would have to be rebuilding, they would need very, very clear leadership from prophets and from priests and from kings so let me explain to you what a prophet is a prophet is the is is the one that's God's voice to the people the priest represents the people before God Uh, and and the king brings structure and order to God's kingdom let me say that again The, the, the the prophet is God's voice to the people so they bring God literally prophets bring God to the people The priest, on the other hand, is the opposite of the prophet. He brings the people before God. But the king is the one who gives vision and infrastructure to the kingdom in order to move God's kingdom forward so that God's people can be a light to the world. Now, when we look at the reality of a prophet, a a, a prophet is interesting. What prophets usually do is usually come in for correction. And what they do is they come in for two things, encouragement and rebuke. Let me say that again. They come in for encouragement and rebuke. They don't come in just to encourage. Help me today. A full-bodied prophet can make you feel better, but also challenge you to be better. Help me today. So, 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 so in other words, in, in, in David's day, I mean, in, in Ezekiel's day, When a prophet rebuked you, you couldn't call that a microaggression. When when the prophet came to bring God to you, you couldn't call that a traumatic experience. And see, we live in a world where we've used psycho language. Ain't nothing now now for what it's for, and it's real, it's useful. But don't try to this for free. Don't try to bring psycho language to your sanctification. Because many of us, like, we, we can't take a rebuke. A rebuke means, I, I'm, you're making me feel very uncomfortable right now. And my, my, my therapist told me to count from 20 to 1 when I'm feeling threatened. And I feel very threatened right now. And I don't know if I'm in a safe place. So I'm called. It's like, dude, hear a rebuke. A prophet comes to encourage and rebuke for free. Y'all, learn how to receive a rebuke and just turn and repent. That's, that's for free. Anyway, back to the shepherds. And so so the prophets give encouragement and rebuke. The priests deal with the day-to-day issues of the people. They're more of the shepherds of the people. They stood at the tent of meeting and gate of meeting and brought issues to, the people brought issues to them. They would use the Urim and the the Thummim as a mechanism to determine what the will of God was. Read your Old Testament, right? You'll know what I'm talking about. It explained the word of God to the people. One of a good example of that is Ezra. I like when the Bible says that 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 they stood up all day while he read the Bible. I like that. It's from sun up to sun down, they just listened to the word. I like that. And then after he finished, they said, Amen. And they went to their tents. I love it. After they got taught, then they broke up into small groups and learned. It was it's dope. Anyway. That's the nerdy Bible guy coming out of me. Next, prophet, priest, kings. Kings are the implementer of God's kingdom. So they do stuff like David, structure the ranks for war, right? And not only that, stay with me, like Solomon building the temple and engaging Queen Sheba and, 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 and later on sending uh, with his son Malik down, priest in order to send uh, 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 the law down into another nation so that they can come and grow in the, the, the wisdom of God. But check it out. He says, woe to the shepherds, prophets, priests, and kings. He said, feeding themselves. Feeding themselves. In other words, God doesn't have a problem with leadership having self care or taking care of their needs. He has a problem with, first off, this was extravagantly taking care of their own needs. We'll see in a second how extravagant it is to bring it up to today. But, but, but they were extravagantly taking care of their own needs. But not only that, they, they were, they were, they were, they weren't even looking out for the people of God in the process. Interesting is that same guy that got robbed. It's funny. He does a video talking about his <laughs> prayer closet. And this looks like a boutique, got Gucci Fendi, uh, uh, you know, some of I don't know. I'm just gonna name some stuff. Birkin, Fendi. I mean had all this stuff in there. Whole room looked like a full boutique. I ain't see no prayer bench, no, you know, no incense, no candles, you know, no place to no, no, not one book was in there. Prayer room. Showing off shoes, then showed off cars outside. And 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 and, and so that's 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 the idea of self-feeding. He says, shouldn't shepherds feed the flock? So they, they they took care of their own natural needs, but they neglected the congregations or the people of God's spiritual needs. And so whether it's selfish shepherds and leadership, there will always be anemia in the flock. Wherever you see that, it will always be there. Look at verse three. He says, now, now check out. Now, 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 now if you, if, can I bring you in real quick? God is an artist. What you're about to see is what, Young folk call bars. Now, you know, I know Jay called himself the monster of the double entendre, but I raise you, Jay. I think Yahweh got you. Verse three. it says in verse three, he said, "You eat the fat, you wear the wool, and butcher the fattened animals." Now he's using double language here, what we call double entendre, to have double meaning here. He says, "You eat the fat, and when it talks about you eating the fat, it means you're choosing the best portions for yourself. And, and, and no, 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 what they would do in choosing the best portions for themselves, what they would do is they would make up issues that the people had in order to get them to bring a particular type of offering to them, even though God didn't tell them to go bring that offering. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. Mm, mm. I sense it right now. I sense about 15 people in this place. Uh, I sense... Since a thousand dollar anointing in here, hmm. is there a Joe in the house? Is there a Ashley? Did anybody drive a car last week? Did anybody go to the hospital last week? A doctor's appointment. A doctor's appointment. A doctor's appointment. And people be like praying, speaking, in time they be going like this, like something's really happening. Help me, Jesus what they do is they bait you out and then they tell you that God God is God. There's an anointing here. There's a house and car anointing. If you lay at the feet of the mind of God, a thousand dollars, then that's what they're doing. What, What they did was they would tell you what type of offering to bring. The best food, the fat pieces were actually for God. But instead of making God the means of which they were supposed to give it to, they took it for themselves. Oh, yeah, that didn't get you? He said, you wear the wool. Now, what it meant here was in in the language, it means to forcefully remove wool. I don't know if you ever saw those animal, those crazy videos where animals are being uh, 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 treated badly. And what they would do is it's nothing wrong with removing wool from a sheep to use, but it was the way they were doing it, how often they were doing it, and how they were treating the sheep. But not only is that, he says you wear wool. Oh, y'all don't hear me. In other words, he says you wear wool, but you're not sheep. Wolves don't wear wool, they have wool. So these shepherds, Present themselves, But not only does it mean that, it also means the level of clothing that they were utilizing to get from the sheep to get stuff from them. It's all in there. But then it says he butchers fattened animals, meaning that when you butcher a fattened animal, what you do is you feed it stuff in order to fatten it up to get from it what you want. In other words, I fill it with stuff so that I can kill it and get the best out of it. Okay, let me see if I can say, what does that look like today, tithing, you know, using the tithing, you're going to be cursed with a curse. You ever heard somebody say that, if you don't tithe, God's going, your car going to break down. That's manipulation, right? That's called fattening people up. If I get blessed, you get blessed. In other words, he becomes the conduit for God's blessing instead of Jesus. So if you bless the man of God today, amen, you bless me. Through me, God will bless you. So give to me first, but don't get it before me. This foolishness, right? leader-centered churches worship uh, leader worship teaching people that there are certain types of ministry. all of these different things is ways in which people are fattened up to be harvested for a leader's false desires he says you have not listen to what he says specifically he says you have not strengthened the weak healed the sick bandaged the injured brought back the strays or sought the loss You have ruled them with violence and cruelty. When he says strengthen the weak, it means feeding them so that they can get strong. It means feeding them healthy things for their soul and leading them to places where they can drink well. Like that's what they would do with lambs. If lambs are weak, they would lead them to good pasture, give them good food, lead them to good water, make sure they get rest. They don't work them to death and move them to death. They give them breaks. It's all in there. He said, you haven't, he said, you have not healed the sick or bandaged them. Healing the weak means people that are tired and people that feel like giving up. The people that actually have trauma. People that actually have emotional stress. He said, bandage the injured. In Israel, that would have looked like seeking justice for people. It would have looked like counsel and advocacy. Serving sheep through their trauma. Because sheep need care because of attacks, missteps, And going astray stray here is interesting because everybody ain't astray let's define what astray is astray is someone who moves aimlessly without any destination it means someone who has wandered away from the flock naively not somebody who willingly left and thinking they need to be nobody called me no here this is about actual people who have been lured away whether by false doctrine whether by by their sin or whatever way that they've been led astray. And there should be an intentionality about engaging them. That means they unknowingly get separated. Usually a sheep would unknowingly get separated from the flock. And he said, you were supposed to seek the lost. But then God begins to turn it. And as he begins to turn it, that brings me to my second point. We're going to rebrand leadership. Rebranding leadership in the image of Jesus Christ has to be rebranded in the image of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 11. It says, for this is what the Lord God says. I myself will search for my flock. I myself will search for them. And what's this point to? It points to how God is ultimately the best shepherd. In Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Listen, that, that, it, it points to God as the ultimate shepherd. And we're going to see how God ultimately shepherds us. Because in Psalm 23, it teaches us that God in his shepherding, he gives us relationship. He makes he, he gives us replenishment. He restores our soul. He makes us lie down, rest. He gives us reassurance through his rod and his staff. And he gives us recompense by giving us justice. So when we look at our God, he, he gives us relationship. He gives us replenishment. He gives us rest. He gives us reassurance and he gives us recompense. When he does that, when our God does that, he does it in a particular way. Look at what God says later in verse 23. He said, I will establish over them. Here it is. Over them, one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. Who is that? Jesus Christ. So he's going to raise up the ultimate shepherd. But this shepherd is so fly in verse 23, in verse 24, in verse 25, he will do in one role what it took a group of people to do. How do I know? Because in verse 23, it says he shepherded and tended them. That's the role of a prophet. In verse 24, he says, David will be, he will be David and he will be a prince to them. That's his role as king. But then he will make a covenant of peace because priests work on helping covenants get cut. That means he's a priest. So guess what? God says, guess what I'm going to do? I'm sick of all y'all jokers. And guess what I'm gonna do? I'm so sick of y'all that it. I, I got a hundred of y'all, I got a million, I got a thousand of y'all, and y'all still ain't doing the job of a prophet bringing uh, 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 me before the people. You're not doing the role of a priest of bringing the people to me. You're not doing the role of a king of structuring the kingdom for my kingdom vision. So guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna raise up one guy that's gonna have all three offices and that one person is gonna be prophet, priest, and King. It took one man to do what a council of rulers for centuries and millennia could not do. Jesus comes to ultimately shepherd us. Even in John 10, verse 3, 11, and 16, he communicates this. In John th- th- uh, ten three, he calls himself a king. Why? He said, because I lead them out. He calls himself a priest because he lays down his life. becomes the sacrifice (laughs) and and he becomes the prophet because he lists they listen to his voice and so and so and so this this beautiful thing that God has done through Jesus Christ is God has in Jesus Christ embodied himself as the God Shepherd the God Shepherd he's not just prophet he's not just priest he's not just King he's God so it took God to get shepherding right now Somebody says, Well, why am I at church if Jesus is my shepherd? Why do I need other shepherds if God got rid of them shepherds and he said he's only setting up one? You didn't read John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. Because he asked Peter, Do you love me? He said, I love you, Lord. He said, Shepherd my sheep. He said, He said, He said, He said, Do you love me, Peter? He said, Yes, you know I love you, Lord. feed my lambs. He said, Do you love me, Peter? Sheep. And guess what we get out of this? is that God is now distributing his authority through Christ to create sub-shepherds under his shepherding leadership that's supposed to reflect his shepherding. Now, this verse is interesting. Are y'all still tracking with me? I'm almost done. It's interesting. The biggest thing I take out of these verses, this is beautiful, y'all, is that Jesus compares love of him to how leaders treat people. Before he asked him to shepherd, he asked him, did he love him? Yes, yes. Come on. <laughs> A leader can never love you unless they love Jesus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> never. Yes. Can never love you. Yes. Right? Jesus. And then the second thing is Jesus, Jesus calls them his sheep. All right. He didn't say shepherd your sheep. He said shepherd my sheep. Yes. So guess what? You don't belong to no pastor you belong to jesus and the pastor pastors you under jesus who's the chief shepherd You know, somebody can add that they are bishop, somebody can add that they are apostle, they can call themselves the right reverend, they can call themselves the very right reverend, they can call themselves the highest reverend, they can call themselves the monsignor, they can call themselves the pope, they can call them the regional cardinal, but there's only one chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And guess what we're supposed to do? Listen. He wanted us to be conduits of Jesus to the flock. So what do shepherds do? Y'all know what it is. Shepherds lead, feed, care, know, and protect. We feed by what? Spiritual direction. We feed through nourishment. We care through engagement. Know through studying and protect through defending the spiritual safety of God's people. This is what shepherding should be rebranded in. What do we have shepherds leading well and providing spiritual direction for people instead of letting the pulpit be a, 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 a column for advice? Feeding and nourishing God's people with good food, with nutrition. Listen, you can eat donuts and you can eat grits. It'll fill you up, but it has no nutrition. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna tell you, I love it when fruit is put in my smoothies and it's just fruit. Sometimes, but but my wife made a smoothie for me the other day, and it was mostly vegetables. And you know, I don't know if you know this, but it tastes a little different when it's vegetables. It just tastes like I'm eating a cow smoothie. Don't get that on the way home. But the beauty of it is all of the nutrition is left in it. We need caring shepherds who engage people. We need shepherds who know what's going on. Jesus said they were like sheep without a shepherd, knowing when people aren't being shepherded in the land and protect them from false doctrine. Finally, and I'm done, what can you do? What can you do to help encourage healthy church leadership? Affirm healthy leaders. Simple. Number two, promote healthy leaders. Number three, make sure that leaders have what they need to be healthy. Don't penalize good leaders because of painful experience with bad ones. Stop burning your spiritual and emotional life out on bad leaders. Listen, get out of there and get somewhere healthy. Stop allowing yourself to stay somewhere because of friendships. I've always been there. This is my church. Ain't nowhere in the Bible where the church belongs to anybody in here. Right? I understand what we mean when we say that. A sense of ownership and love and care for that particular community. What my prayer is, is that in this culture, that we will do amazingly to rebrand the church and rebrand leadership. I mean, the world is trying to do it. I mean, and it's no knock on these artists. And I'm closing. It's no knock on these artists. not beating them up, right? You know, Beyonce putting out a song about church girl and now she's branding what women are like in the church, right? She's basically saying, you shout on Sunday but you a freak on Saturday. Now, don't send me no inboxes because you love her more than Jesus. Because some of y'all will evangelize as a beehive member more than you would as a church member. And then you got Khaled, no knock on them. Again, I'm not beating up anybody. But you got Khaled putting out his whole album God did and attributing to to God stuff that God doesn't even rock with. Like God didn't do trapping. But, 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 But you know what? But you know what those subtle things do? When you you marry, when you attribute things to God, because God almost is like, oh, it's universalism. Like Khaled's a Muslim, and we're not knocking Muslims. You got Kanye being sampled on the album. Kanye is a professing Christian. So what does that do? It confuses people about spirituality and who the true God is. So what ends up happening is people say, oh, everybody just love and God and encouragement, no rebuke, because nobody wants a prophet they want a pretender. Yeah. Nobody wants that. So, so, so that, see, what we want what we want people is, is to affirm, like, we, we don't want to smoke no more. I'm going to preach on this later. But Christians and leaders, Christian leaders, we don't want to smoke. We got Christian leaders in the pulpit. And, and listen, y'all don't know, I don't politicize anything. Talking about something, it's her choice. And they're wearing shirts. I'm like, that's what we're doing now? Like we 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 got we I, I'm I we need the real church. We literally need the real church. Like if we we need to keep it a buck, even if we lose something. I'm closing, but man, I I don't hear anybody saying they do anything for Jesus' sake anymore. I don't hear anybody saying. I'm doing this for the gospel. I'm going to talk about that next week. I, I, I don't hear that, like... I don't hear this sense of building life around Jesus. Like in taking L's where necessary. And it starts with us as leaders. It starts with us as leaders taking seriously the kingdom again. And some of that's going to get us outed, family. We can't negotiate friendship in a world that's calling for us to be who God called us to be. And that does not mean we just browbeat, but we want to love people and we want to care for people, but we want to love it all that God defines love as. And so, but it starts with the leaders. And I pray today as we pray, as I close this section of our gathering, I need you to do what scripture says and pray for leaders. Um, Take that necessary time and go before God and pray that God would strengthen and restore leaders, that they would stay faithful to the gospel, stay faithful to family, stay faithful to the church, stay faithful to their spiritual formation. That's my prayer. Father God, today, we need you like no other, none other. And God, I'm praying that you would purge and sanctify leadership. Me included. Lord God, that leaders in the church would be examples. It's not just pastors, but anybody that leads. Lord, I pray that the church would demand from leaders integrity would demand from leaders character above competency. Would demand from leaders that they submit to the bloodstained banner. But God, maybe there's someone here today and they don't know you. And now they found out that you're the shepherd. You're shepherding us through Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need God because he wants to lead you. He wants to feed you, care, know and protect you. And unlike the world, God doesn't just do that for everybody. He has a specific group of people that that's his role in their life and that's those who trust him by faith. And when you trust him by faith, yeah, God has done some stuff for you but you haven't experienced everything that God has for you. Listen, many people's relationship with God is like this. You can go into a phone store and you can grab a phone and you can start playing with it. But when you try to pull it off, there's something attached to it that limits how far it can go. You may be able to sample the phone and experience it in the store, but you got to leave without it. That's what it's like being in this world and not knowing God. God gives you general access to himself without intimate access. But guess what? When a phone is purchased and you get an actual account, now you're able to take that phone away and go wherever you want and you can build up your repertoire with that phone because now there's nothing holding back that phone being unleashed fully for you. Well, that's what God does when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior. He unleashes Himself fully on your behalf and there's no bungee cord holding back how much access you have to Him. Is there anyone here that wants to put their faith in Jesus, His death and resurrection? Hold your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Anyone? 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 Best decision you can make is trust Him as Savior. Greatest decision. He wants to unleash Himself on your life. You have full access to all the benefits and privileges that Christ affords. Amen. Well, let's prepare our hearts and minds for communion. Communion is a time to celebrate our connection to God through Jesus Christ. It doesn't connect us to him. We're already connected to him. If you wasn't, wasn't served the elements, hold your hand up if you want to partake today. One here. Anyone in the balcony? Y'all good? We have one up front. All right, well, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Jesus left us the elements as a way to be constantly reminded of the fact that he's our leader, that he hasn't forgotten about us, and he's going to come harvest us one day. He's going to come back, and he's going to harvest his people. In memory in celebration of that, let us eat together. Blood in the Bible is a deep thing. Um, At one point in Genesis, Abraham cut an animal in half and God walked between them. And God swore by Himself that He was going to fulfill His covenant to Abraham. And us being in this room is a fulfillment of that because of Jesus. Let us drink together. Most High. We're thankful and encouraged and filled with all of you. God, thank you for loving us enough to correct us, loving us enough to encourage us, loving us enough to remind us of who we're supposed to be. And Lord God, I pray that you would help us to be the proper frame that we're called to be to reflect your name. And we're not saying in rebranding the church that the church has to be perfect in order to represent you no but we should be viable witnesses that reflect your reign and pursuing holiness without which no one will see god now unto him was able to present you faultless before His throne with exceeding gladness and joy to him our god and savior be glory majesty dominion and power both now and forever everybody agree with that said amen god bless you take care have a good one